What's going on out there, folks? It's your boy on Twitter, at who they spelled with the U, not an O. And of course, I got my man at Nick Siegel in the house with me tonight, and this is another edition of Rounding Third podcast over at so-called Fantasy Experts Network. Uh, make sure you follow fantasysixpack.net, and make sure you go over to ontheplay.com for all of your DFS needs. Without further ado, my co-host, at Nick Siegel, let them know. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Nick. Uh, so this is going to be the second half of our preseason preview. We are going to break down the middle infielder positions as well as outfield. Um, so just jumping right in, we're going to start off with second baseman. Uh, top five for me, this was a fun one. You know, like the first few positions we talked about, it was kind of set in stone. And this one was one where I like, I shifted guys, I, I second guessed myself. And really like all these positions, uh, shortstop included. Um, but my top guy at second base, my dude that who, like I started predicting his breakout back in 2009. So it took me like four years to get it right. But D Gordon at number one, um, obviously I think we'll probably see a bit of a regression from his amazing, you know, NL batting champ title numbers from last year. But I still think he's going to hit over three. I think Fantasy Pro's uh, predictions for him are a little low for my liking. Um, so I think he's going to fall somewhere in between his 336 or whatever it was last year and like the 276 uh, Fantasy or yeah Fantasy Pro says he's going to do this year. So it'll fall somewhere in between there. Um, right behind him, uh, that little maniac from Houston, Jose Altuve. Um, you know, it, it was a struggle. I initially had him at one and then D at one. So um, Jose will definitely put up, you know, top-tier numbers. Number three, Robinson Cano. I think he's going to settle in a lot better in Seattle, put up more of those Yankee numbers we're used to. Uh, number four is a little controversial, but Matt Carpenter. Um, I'm banking on him being able to repeat that amazing performance from last year, at least, you know, 75 80% worth. Um, put up really big numbers again. Number five, Jason Kipnis. And then another guy that I kind of like seriously had at four or five and six at some point, but Brian Dozier, I think he's worth mentioning. Um, he's like a dark horse top five candidate, uh, depending on, you know, what he gets out of the rest of the lineup in Minnesota. He could put up some really big numbers. Well, that's interesting. I mean, at least this this episode, we, we, we disagree. On some things, um, my top five is it's interesting. Uh, I think one two is kind of a you know flip flopable. Uh, I, I like that you have D Gordon at number one because of the fact that he plays in probably a more potent offense. Uh, you know the the steals are going to be there. I believe you as well. I think the projections are a bit low when you're looking at them and they're they're saying that you know he's going to be a two seventy nine or you know two seventy eight hitter. Uh, I think D Gordon is a solid bat for at least being a two eighty five two ninety hitter. Uh, and with the steals, with the runs that he's probably going to produce hitting atop that lineup, uh, I, I like him as well. Uh, then you got Jose Altuve. What? I mean, Jose Altuve has been doing what he's been doing at second base for the last couple of years. I don't really think that's going to stop anytime soon. Uh, and then we get a little difference of opinion here. Uh, for number three, I got Jason Kipnis. Uh, I think that, you know, when he's healthy, he's one of the top three second basemen in all of baseball. Uh, obviously, when he's healthy is a really huge kind of like connotation with this guy. Um, it, it seems like he either has, you know, a really slow start and then picks it up, or he has a really hot start and then slows down. Uh, so you got the health mixed in with the inconsistency. I can see where you're saying, you know, he's definitely probably number five on your list. Uh, then I have Robinson Cano. I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, Robinson Cano is being kind of uh, forgotten about uh, just due to the fact that he had, you know, such an off year last year uh, as far as, you know, the – the power numbers are concerned. I think that he does return to that form uh, where you can bank on him getting, you know, uh, the 20 to 25 home runs uh, and batting in the high 290s and at least, you know, 300s. Um, I, I admit it, Marp, because of the fact that, you know, I consider him more as a third baseman. Yeah, he plays all over the place and he has position eligibility all over the place. But I took him off the list. Uh, number five, I kind of have like this cluster of folks where they're kind of similar. They all kind of play similar roles for their teams, and that's uh, 
Daniel Murphy, Ben Zobris, and Ian Kinsler. I, I think all three of those are kind of interchangeable when you're looking at what you're trying to achieve uh, as far as getting some kind of value at your second base position within the draft. Uh, each of those guys figures, you know, bat near the top of their lineups. Uh, each of the, it, even if they don't bat near the top of their lineups, they're still a safe bet for solid uh, RBI production, solid run production, uh, and sprinkling in, you know, five to ten steals here and there. Uh, I think all three of those guys are definitely serviceable uh, at the number five slot, and I really couldn't figure out which guy I really wanted to put in there. Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't really disagree with any of the guys you said. Um, I, I had a list of like ten guys at some point. Um, Kinsler was definitely in there. I really like him. I think he's going to have a really good year in Detroit again. Um, and you know, you're right with Jason Kidness too. I had him at four, and I was like, uh, so like. It's one of those things where it's pretty fluid between four and ten, um, and it's going to be kind of hit or miss with this position. This is a position where it's really like kind of boom or bust, which yeah, I don't know. You could, you know, if you're going really, really high for like D Gordon, you're going to be okay. But if you're drafting Robinson Cano in the second or third round, like there's a chance that's really going to bite you in the ass. So uh, moving on, uh, looking at yeah, yeah. Uh, looking at risks, biggest risk here, and this is one where there wasn't too many um, like huge risks. Um, so I just I kind of tried to outline just some guys that really stood out to me as guys I'm trying to avoid, mostly based on ADP for me most of the time. Um, first one I had was DJ Lemayhew, um, huge regression candidate here. Um, he's obviously still good for like 20 steals, but his batting average for balls in play last year was 362. Uh, that's near historic. Like that's that's crazy high. There's no way he can reproduce that. Um, which is not to say he won't be good still this year, but there's going to be a big drop off there. Um, and you're not going to really get much for home runs and RBIs from him. So like where he's being drafted right now in like the fifth, sixth round, that's just too high for me. Um, and the other guy is Jonathan Shoup in Baltimore. Uh, the power production from this dude is insane. He had 16 home runs in 137 games in 2014, so almost a whole season. And then in just 86 games uh, in 2015, he had 15 home runs. So, like, dude's power numbers are there. They're continuing to get better. Um, you know, he strikes out a ton, and his on-base percentage kind of suck. Um, so a lot of swing and miss or huge contact. But if you're looking for somebody where you just need purely power numbers or maybe in a league where, like, strikeouts don't count, I don't think he's as big of a risk. But in your everyday, like, head-to-head or roto leagues, I'm, I'm staring clear of him at second base. There's just way too many better options. Yeah, I you know, with, with Mayu, I, I could see where he's a huge regression candidate. Uh, but at the same time, he's almost kind of like, because of the fact that he plays in Colorado – there's a chance where the regression doesn't happen as severe uh, in, in certain cases, uh, just due to the fact that he plays out there. The, those games, they they get offensively crazy uh, out of nowhere, and he's definitely going to be one of the guys that will benefit from being on that team this year. Uh, we, when I think about biggest risk, uh, it's funny that you put – Dozier in your top five because he's actually kind of one of our biggest risks for me uh, as far as is you're looking at a guy, I mean, you're drafting a guy top five at second base, and granted, yeah, at second base it's hard to find uh, that kind of elite power, uh, but I think that, you know, the the power mixed with the average, I think it's a huge liability considering his ADP. Uh, yeah, here's a guy that could probably hit 30 home runs, still 10 bags. Uh, but here's a guy who could also hit maybe only 15 home runs and still five bags, uh, you know, given the average. Uh, I mean, the the other numbers, you know, say that the power is legit, and I agree with those numbers. Uh, but at the same time, uh, who's to say that he repeats this production? I mean, we're going two years now with a sub – 250 average and he's hit over 20 home runs but he's going you know in the fifth sixth seventh uh you know fourth third rounds uh possibly in some drafts is that worth the the risk i don't know uh i really don't think that it's worth the risk especially in roto leagues maybe in a head-to-head points league uh you know head-to-head uh you know category league uh, that might be acceptable, but in a roto league, five by five, traditional, uh, where average plays a part, 
I think that, you know, given his ADP, he's one of the biggest risks for me going into the season. And that's legit. You know, and that's looking at my notes, too. I know the audience can't see it, but, like, I have question marks by a bunch of these guys. That's one of those things where it's so fluid. Like, if his ADP stays, like, if you can get him in the late sixth, seventh, eighth round, maybe the ninth even, yeah. Ooh, that's awesome. But, yeah, if you're pushing it up into, like, the fifth, fourth, maybe even third, like you said, like, I, even at that point, I'm steering clear and saying that's a bit risky. So, it's, you know, it's all relative, really, when you look at it. Outside of, like, the top two, three, maybe four, which at any position you're going to see that. Um, sleepers was interesting for second base for me because I really had to comb over guys, like, two different times to come up with some stuff. But once I started looking a little deeper, I found a couple of guys I like. Um, Neil Walker, one of them, he signed with the Mets. Um, better hitting environment than where he was at. Uh, better lineup protection. Uh, he's only 30, like, I feel like he should be so much older because he's been around for forever, but he's actually only 30. Um, and he just hit 23 home runs last year. He's actually a pretty late-round option at this point. Um, so as long as his ADP doesn't climb in the next week or you know two if you're getting into really late leagues, um, I think he could be a really good late-round sleeper for like 20, 25 home run potential on a guy who's not going to have a terrible average. And then the other one for me was Joe Panic in San Francisco. He's a 300 hitter. He hit eight home runs in 100 games last season. Um, good for like 10 to 15 steals. Uh, really good on base percentage. He's going to score a ton of rounds, and he's going in like the middle rounds. As long as he stays towards the bottom end of the middle rounds, I think he's a really good sleeper. Um, now, if you watch him climb up for any reason, I'll probably stay away from him after he hits, you know, maybe like round eight, nine, something like that. Yeah, you know, for me, the – it's so it's so fluid because of the fact that you know there's different definitions for what a sleeper is, uh, and especially at second base, it's like, okay, well, what do you want out of your sleeper at second base? Do you want just steals? Do you want a guy that has a strong average? And I definitely like the guys that you mentioned. I especially like Joe Panic. He was definitely one of the guys on my list. Another guy that I wanted to talk about is Addison Russell. I mean, obviously. Uh, you know, the playing time, and I think that the batting order might be kind of an issue, uh, although I don't think it's going to be an issue due to the fact that they moved Starling Castro out for this reason. I think that he was definitely the reason why they did so. Uh, you know, obviously they acquired Ben Zobris. I think Ben Zobris is probably going to hit towards the top of the lineup, where Aston Russell will probably still hit towards the bottom of the lineup. But at the same time, I mean, Addison Russell last year hit towards the bottom of the lineup, and he actually did a pretty decent job. I mean, as far as his home runs is concerned, uh, he, you know, he brought in 13 home runs last year. I mean, that's a decent amount of power as far as his uh, second base is concerned. And when you're talking about a sleeper, uh, here's a guy that you're probably going to get in the later rounds, the, you know, round 11, round 12. And, you know, say – you know, something happens to Ben Zobris. Uh, you know, you'll see an uptick uh, in Russell's time, and probably Russell will probably end up getting uh, pushed towards the top of the order uh, as far as, you know, kind of supplant, uh, getting some of that production that Zobris would leave behind if something was to ever happen to him. Uh, obviously, the guy that, you know, Joe Madden likes, so Joe Madden's going to run him out there. Uh, hopefully, we can get the average to bounce back to its uh, kind of minor league form. I wouldn't say he's going to hit 300 uh, for the Cubs this year, but I think that, you know, a 270, 280 average isn't out of the realm of possibility. You know, it's really funny that you say Addison Russell because I actually, like, I I have him ranked pretty highly when we're going to talk about shortstops in a minute. So it'll it'll be fun to see the difference in our opinions there. Um, as, back to second base just for a second. Um, as far as breakout stars are concerned, stars, like, really – like I don't think there's going to be a breakout star at second base here, um, but I think we could see a couple youngsters break out in a big way and crack, like, top 20, top 15 second base in numbers. Um, for me, a guy that really stood out was Devin Travis in Toronto. Um, in just 22 games last year, he was hitting 325 with six homers. Um, production was limited by two huge DL stints, kind of derailed his coming out party last year. Um, this dude's perfectly capable of carrying like 300 average and 15, 20 homers through a season. Um, 
so much lineup protection in Toronto, just just so much protection that he's going to get a lot of really good pitches to hit. Um, so I would look, you know, I don't know if I'm drafting him right now, except maybe at the end of the draft to like for some late round protection. Um, but I could see him putting up some pretty big numbers by season's end. Yeah, I, I don't really have any kind of potential breakout stars. I was looking over the second base list, and, I mean, pretty much anyone that I had listed as a sleeper could be a potential breakout star. Uh, you know, you got Russell, you got LeMahieu, you got Panic, uh, kind of all in the conversation. I like your selection, though. I think that's a, that's a pretty good pick. I mean, here's a guy that won me a – Won me some nice coin to start the season last year in DFS, uh, considering his price tag on many of the uh, sites uh, when he was having that little power surge uh, and a uh, very, very hot start for the Toronto Blue Jays. So I definitely uh, like where you're going with that selection. It will be determined on whether or not he can stay on the field. I think that's a huge thing with this guy. But like you said, you know, where he's being drafted um, – Say something happens to your second baseman at the beginning of the year, uh, he's probably going to be a guy that will be one of the first people picked off the waiver wire at second base, no doubt. Absolutely, absolutely. So moving to shortstops now. Um, for me, this was a fun top five because it's it's boomer bust with a bunch of these guys. You know, uh, we're talking like injury concerns, um, lack of tenure you know lack of prove it seasons to show us what they're worth um it's a lot of a lot a lot of young up-and-comers at the shortstop position at this point um so for me at the top i had carlos correa i mean this dude just burst onto the scene in a huge way he's got power he's got average he's got steals i mean he's the total package it's the reason the astros took him number one it's the reason they brought him up in the middle of their playoff run uh so i expect really big things for him for me, and this one's quite contrarian, apparently. I didn't think it would be, but um, I'm seeing this guy's a bust everywhere. Troy Tulowitzki, first full season in Toronto, lineup protection like crazy, hitter-friendly ballpark uh, at certain times, you know, depending on the roof. Uh, as long as he can stay healthy, which is a huge deal for him, I, I think he's going to put up huge numbers. Um, Xander Bogart's at three for me. Uh, this kid is amazing. He's, he, he continues to get better. Um, I don't see a problem with him cracking top five, maybe top two. He could supplant Tulowitzki by the end of the season. Um, And then it gets fluid and weird from there. Uh, Corey Seager, the Dodgers shortstop of the future coming up. Um, You know, he's battling a knee injury right now, but he said he's going to be ready for the beginning of the season. He's their starting shortstop. Um, You know, we're looking at like a 272 season, 17 to 20 homers, over 70 RBIs. He's going to put up decent numbers. Um, and then five for me, I actually have Addison Russell as the fifth best shortstop. Um, I've been obsessed with Addison Russell since Billy Bean drafted him. Um, have followed him all the way through the A system, through Chicago system. He's he's the complete package at shortstop or second base. He's probably going to play more at short, um, but we'll get time at second too, like you said. Um, I, I think he's perfectly capable of cracking the top five at shortstop, especially with the question marks that so many teams have at this position. Um, now, he's also kind of a bust risk. You, you, you don't know. With all the pressure and, like, the full, you know, more playing time, um, full support of the staff and everything, like, he could crumble. And if he's hitting at the back, you're going to see the numbers suffer a little bit, especially with, like, run scored and things. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I think at season's end, he'll be at five. And then I, I actually added one more, number six. And this guy is literally boomer bust for me in a big way because I also have him as a biggest risk. But Francisco Lindor, you know, coming in as a youngster, he hasn't played that much yet. We don't know that much about him. Everybody seems to be really high on him. The projections are high. The minor league numbers don't really support it. But, you know, whatever, as highly as people that get paid a lot more than me to come up with this have him ranked, I almost had to put him in there. Yeah, uh, your top five is definitely very, very interesting. Uh, There, again, we have some differences here. Uh, I think out of respect, I'm going to put Tulo at number one. Uh, Here's a guy I've been drafting as the number one shortstop for the last six, seven years, it almost seems like. Uh, So I'm going to respect Tulo and put him at number one. Uh, Like you said, you know, the lineup that he plays at uh, and – the fact that, you know, it is his first full season up there in the Blue Jays organization, we've seen guys go to, to Toronto and have kind of a power surge uh, out of nowhere. Batista, Edwin Encarnacion, uh, 
I mean, even Russell Martin, uh, you know, kind of have a, a, a little bit uptick in the power. So I think that, you know, the, the switch from Colorado to Toronto, uh, if you're used to seeing, you know, two OS-type numbers from his Colorado days, I think they return uh, this year in Toronto. And then I got Carlos Correa. Yeah, you know, I got to respect the fact that he's a stud. Yeah, I'm going to throw him some shade this year. Uh, and, you know, he's going to regress just a little bit. But at the same time, he's still a flat-out stud. I definitely uh, understand why he's ranked number one in many people's boards. Um, and then for me, you know, it kind of, it kind of like you said earlier, it, it gets kind of wacky. It gets kind of goofy at shortstop. Uh, I got Xander Bogarts at three. Uh, and then I have uh, actually Lindor at, at four. And then uh, I have Elvis Andrews at five just because of the fact that, you know, you pretty much know what you're going to get out of Elvis Andrews as opposed to, you know, a lot of these other guys. But like you said earlier, you know, it's very much boom or bust with a bunch of these guys because of the fact that, you know, it's either the injury concerns or, you know, they haven't really played that much. But I like Francis Lindor. Uh, I think that, you know, his minor league numbers do kind of support the fact that, uh, what you saw last year is possible to happen all over again. I don't think 313 average uh, is something that's going to happen again. But I think that, you know, he is a 300 hitter. Um, you know, it, the pop, uh, I don't know if that happens. But, you know, he hit 12 home runs last year. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. He can hit at least double-digit home runs going into this year. Uh, I really like his skill set as far as what you're looking for in a shortstop. And I think he does deserve to be in the top five. But I understand where you're coming from as far as is that, you know, you don't know what could happen uh, with him this year uh, as far as is he could go back to kind of, a, you know, that 280, you know, 270 range uh, at the shortstop position. And that not sure that justifies his ADP at the moment. But I think that – he does, you know, maintain his 300 average. I think he's definitely legit when it comes to uh, the batting average. And as far as the pop is concerned, I mean, I think it should only get better from here. Uh, he had 12 last year. Uh, look for him to probably have about 15 to 20 this year, actually. Yeah, and, you know, I think just this is a perfect segue right into risks because, like, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Uh, albeit, like, hello? I guess – Hello? Am I on mute? Well, normally he would switch over to doing his biggest risk. Uh, looks like we lost Nick Siegel for a second. Can you and hear me? As far as his biggest risk for Hello. me, uh, it has to be Corey Seager. And I had him down here as my biggest risk before the season even started. Uh, yeah, obviously the injury to his knee uh, is going to limit him somewhat. But at the same time, I, I'm just thinking, you know, People like shiny new toys when it comes to fantasy baseball and fantasy football. We all know this is true, and I think that he's definitely one of the shiny new toys uh, going into this year. Uh, the hype surrounding him is has been huge. Uh, it was huge last year when he got the call up, and it's going to be huge this year considering, uh, you know, they've they've invested a bunch into this kid, and uh, you know, the time is now for him to put up or shut up. Um, you know, obviously the injury concern is going to be kind of the big red flag for many people. Uh, that's why I've moved him down my board. Uh, but I do like the upside he possesses. Uh, I think that you're right when you say that, you know, a 270 average isn't out of the realm of possibility with Corey Seager. Uh, and obviously the pop's there. Uh, look for him to, if his knee heals and he's ready to go 100% and there's no setbacks, uh, definitely look for him to put up double-digit uh, home runs. So, yeah, like, I, I can't disagree with anything you said about Francisco Lindor, except maybe, um, like, I guess I don't see it looking at his numbers from the minors. I didn't pour over them too thoroughly, though. Um, he's one of those guys where it's really going to be boomer bust, especially with an ADP, like, in the high sixth round right now. Um, it's just, it's risk-reward, you know. He could end up hitting 270 with 10 home runs, or he could push top five, top four, shortstop territory, and, you know, hit 300 with close to 20 home runs, like you said. Um, so, like, with his ADP right now, I guess I'm just staying away. Um, but I, I can't fault anybody that gets him in, like, the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Um, you could end up with, like, a really good shortstop. Um, and then looking at sleepers, you know, this 
when you look at sleepers as shortstop, it's basically, for me, it was finding guys that were going to be able to offer something in at least a couple categories that if you had an injury or you just needed some backup because a guy was something for a while and you just needed, like, a couple categories stacked from that player, this guy could provide it. Um, so for me, like, at the top of the list was Trevor Story in Colorado. Um, he's been killing it this spring. Jose Reyes is going to be out indefinitely while they settle his domestic dispute um, or abuse case. And then even then, you know, he's looking at a pretty big suspension, just like a role as Chapman. So we might not see Jose Reyes in Colorado until midseason or later, which is going to give Story just more time to prove that's his job, and there might not be one there for Reyes when he gets back. Um, usual case of Coors, you know, hitter-friendly park, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 2020 upside with this kid for sure. And he's basically being drafted in, like, the last three rounds because nobody's heard of him. Uh, so, that's, you know, you could get a pretty good shortstop at the bargain, bargain price, maybe even wave wire in some leagues. Um, another guy from your hometown, Cincinnati Reds, uh, Eugenio Suarez. Uh, dude hit 13 home runs last year with a 446 slugging percentage in only 370 at-bats. Um, he's shown consistent power in the Niners. A little bit of deceptive speed. Um, and he's sitting, like, way outside the top 380p. Um, he's, like, a literal steal. Um, you know, if if you want to draft him in the last round, go ahead. You can probably definitely get him on the waiver wire, though, and he's going to put up really good numbers for people. Um, and then Trey Turner, a guy I have uh, been obsessed with since he was with the Padres, got traded to the Nationals. Unfortunately, he got sent down. He's going to start the season in the minors because there's a lot of big money clogging the way for him, um, you know, in the big leagues right now. But I think if he can get into the minors by, like, May, June, um, you're looking at a guy that can give you 20 steals and 10 homers. Um, I would definitely keep an eye on him. If you see him get called up, pick him up right away. Yeah, you know, with with shortstop, it, it's weird, too, because, you know, I think with shortstop every year, you know, a, a lot of people in fantasy baseball drafts want to preach position scarcity. And it's either you believe in position scarcity or you don't. Uh, and when you start believing in position scarcity, that's when you start taking guys like Francisco Lindor. Uh, you start taking guys like, you know, Elvis Andrews a little bit earlier than you would like just due to the fact that you know that they have the job, they're going to get the get-bats. Uh, and with shortstop's position, uh, the position scarcity not only drops off due to the fact that uh, these people – aren't producing at, you know, an elite, an elite, elite level like your Troy Tulowitzki's and your Carlos Correa's. Uh, but at the same time, they're not also uh, getting the playing time. They're not in the right spot in the batting order. I mean, most of these guys that you see at shortstop, they're hitting eighth, they're hitting seventh, they're hitting ninth. Uh, they're not necessarily guys that you really want to target. And so when you're looking at position scarcity, uh, you've got to couple all those factors in. And I think with shortstop, more than any other position in fantasy baseball, you kind of – it's something that's in the back of your head where you're thinking like, okay, I need to jump on one of these shortstops here soon, or I'm going to be left with somebody who I don't know anything about. I think the guys that you mentioned are great candidates for sleepers. Uh, with Suarez here in Cincinnati, I think he's going to be more of a third baseman. Uh, Zach Kozar is probably going to – come back, uh, regain his position at shortstop, uh, who I consider kind of a sleeper as well, kind of for the same reasons. Uh, that Cozart was a guy that, you know, last year before he got hurt, uh, the power that we all kind of knew about here in Cincinnati uh, kind of came to fruition. And then he got hurt, derailed his season. Uh, so hopefully he can come back and, you know, at least bring the power that he was showing back a little bit. Um, Another guy that I like uh, is, is Starling Castro. I love Starling Castro. I've always had. I think that considering his ADP, uh, you're getting an absolute steal. Uh, and, and I feel like a sleeper uh, at a position where if you're looking to find a guy that can put up, you know, at least, you know, 10 to 15 homers, um, I don't know if he bounce, bounces all the way back to, like, the 290 to 300 range. But I think, you know, a 275, 280 uh, with 15 home runs and a nice amount of RBIs considering he plays in the AL East. And those games last, you know, for five to six hours. And many times RBI opportunities happen at the bottom of the order. I think that Starling Castro is definitely a guy that, you know, if I'm in those middle rounds and I haven't picked a shortstop yet, I would feel comfortable drafting him. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree with any of that. Um, and then for me, looking at the breakout 
shortstop, if you will. Um, it was it was hard to figure out which guys I wanted to list as sleepers and like which guys I wanted to list as breakouts because I mean obviously Trey Turner could be either one, uh, but a guy I really like I think is definitely poised to actually break out this year though um, is Kettle Marte with Seattle. Um, he had 247 plate appearances last year and he hit 283 um, and he had eight steals. Uh, good average, good stolen bases. He's got a little pop, really great on base percentage. Um, and from the top of the lineup, he's going to score a ton of runs for them. Um, he's only 22, so he's going to keep getting better, assumedly. You know, like, I can't really assume he's going to get worse. Um, and he's going to, like, contribute quality average on-base percentage runs and steals for you. Um, the only thing that kind of worries me is in the minors, he actually has a career 72% success rate with steals. So he's getting caught stolen a little too much. Um, you know, if he can iron that out at the major league level, though, dude's going to be a stud. Yeah, potential breakouts is definitely kind of a tricky one, especially at the sort top position. But a guy that I'm keeping my eye on, uh, he's having a pretty decent spring so far, and that's Wilmer Flores of uh, the New York Mets, where, yeah, they brought in Neil Walker and all this stuff like that. Uh, Neil Walker probably is going to play more second base than he plays any kind of shortstop. Neil Walker kind of plays all over the place. But with Wilmer Flores, uh Here's a guy, you know, we all heard a story about last year. You know, he was on the trading block. They told him he was traded. Uh, you know, he's crying, uh, you know, in the dugout. And then all of a sudden he's not traded. And then he kind of, you know, he kind of took off as far as as not necessarily like uh, Nolan Arenado or Carlos Gonzalez numbers uh, there in the second half. But he had a pretty respectable second half for the New York Mets and definitely was a a, a pretty huge catalyst uh, as far as getting them as far as they did in the postseason. So I think that, you know, considering the spring right now, I think he's batting uh, over 350. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's hit a home run or not yet, but the pop's there. Uh, I'm not really worried about the pop. Uh, the thing that I like the most about him uh, this spring training so far is that uh, he's walking more. Uh, so if the on-base percentage uh, kind of uh, gets an uptick, everything else gets an uptick. Uh, so if he's walking a little bit more, uh, he's getting on base a little bit more, figure hopefully the New York Mets see this patience, see this adjustment in the game, and he finds himself at the top of the order. And if he finds himself, you know, at the top of the order, say, you know, behind uh, Curtis Granderson and in front of uh, Jonas Aspetis, uh that just screams absolute steal right there. Absolutely. I can't disagree with you there either. It was, see, you know, you promised everybody we were going to disagree in the show, and we're right back to disagreeing. <laughs> but so we're going to take a quick break, a quick word from our sponsors. When we get back, we're going to cover the final position, outfield. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sign up at ownthepay.com using referral code R3P for special promotions when you make your first deposit. Then test your skills and play head-to-head with Nick and T. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to Rounding Third Podcast. I am who they spelled with a U, not a no, and I've got my co-host at Nick Siegel with me. We're about to get into outfielders here. Uh, let me start it off this time. Uh, my top five outfielders, of course, you got to respect Mike Trout. Uh, I think it's funny, you know, the two years ago, uh, two, three years ago, you know, everyone was saying, oh, Mike Trout, oh, he's going to regress, he's going to regress. You know, four years later, two MVPs, probably should have had three, folks, let's be honest. He should be a three-time MVP here. But two MVPs later, uh, he's obviously the man. Uh, I, you know, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs with this top five a little bit just due to the fact that they all offer things that no one else can offer you at any of the other positions. Uh, number two, I have Bryce Harper, obviously, you know, the NL MVP from a year ago. Uh, those numbers, you know, we all saw these numbers from these two coming uh, you know, back when they were 19 years old. I'm just glad to see it. It's good for baseball that, you know, the talent has come to to the forefront finally, and we get to see these two 
play baseball for the next decade and enjoy all of their attributes. Uh, then after that, you know, the, there's some shifting around. I'm sure that, you know, a lot can be said for who gets to be in the five slot. But for me, uh, it's Giancarlo Stanton at the three spot. Yeah, you want to talk about injury history. I consider it more of kind of bad luck. Uh, you know, it's not really injuries where, uh, you know, to his legs or, you know, to his arms or his elbows. You know, these are injuries where they're kind of freak injuries, that you just something that just kind of happens. I mean, not every day, you know, people expect to get hit in the face with a baseball. Uh, so, you know, Giancarlo Stanton for me, especially with Barry Bonds as the hitting coach, I mean, how can you not? like Giancarlo Stanton going into this year. Uh, then after that, you know, you got your Andrew McCutcheon. And then for me at number five, you know, I want the guy that wants to come riding in on a horse during spring training. Uh, you know, obviously, Jonas Suspedes, uh, you know, he's, he's a little bit of, you know, the flair. Uh, you know, he's got a little bit of swag to him. I like that a lot. Uh, obviously got paid with the New York Mets here uh, come this off season for him to come back and hopefully get them back to where they were a year ago. Uh, but I like everything about uh, Suspedes. You know, obviously he's kind of a liability to your average, but I think it, he makes up for it considering, you know, the RBI home run uh, potential that he possesses. Yeah, you know, I don't hate your list, um, but for me, like, the biggest difference, um, I have Bryce Harper at the top. Uh, that's my dude. He's uh, the best player in baseball. Um, I like him better than Trout. Not that I have anything against Trout. It's just um, fun fact for you here. I found this out on Twitter actually today. Uh, Jim Sands, a uh, guy I used to write with at Number Fire, shared this crazy stat. Um, Bryce Harper averaged 3.19 points on FanDuel last season per plate appearance. Um, and that is 3.06 points higher. Um, there are standard deviations higher than the mean, than the average. So, I mean, Bryce Harper was scoring three to one points against all other hitters in baseball as far as fantasy is concerned last year, as far as daily fantasy is concerned. Um, The dude's just a beast. I don't know how you can go wrong. I have him as, like, the number one fantasy player in baseball this year. Uh, But Mike Trout's right there at number two. You know, it's it's almost a coin flip. I like Bryce Harper a little more, but you can't go wrong with Trout. At three, Stanton, I agree with everything you said. All of his injuries have been total freak accidents. Um, you know, it, it, this isn't a guy that has knee injury, ankle injury concerns, elbow injury concerns. He, he gets hit in the face by pitches. Like, you can't, you can't avoid that. Um, and even though he's missed over 120 games in the last two seasons, he still has, like, 13 more home runs than the next closest person over the same amount of time. So, I mean, he's still killing it. He's, like, one of the best power hitters at baseball. He'd be the top outfielder if Bryce Harper and Mike Trout played different positions. Um, at four, I agree again, McCutcheon. Um, he's the anchor of that Pittsburgh lineup. He, he can steal. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He doesn't strike out much. He's just five-tool player all around. And then for me, I, I really like Cespedes. Um, I have him at six for me. I think Joey Bautista, um, I think he's going to come in and just have another beast of a year. This is a guy that just keeps getting older and keeps getting better. I don't really know how he does it. He he must have found the fun youth or something. He kills it. Um, you know, he's in contract disputes and everything, so I think that's going to motivate him more than anything to be even better this year because he took such a discount to go in to Toronto and show him what he was worth. And, you know, I, I, I understand, like, the business side of things. It, it's not about back pay. It's not what you've done. It's what you will do. But I think if anybody ever deserves some back pay, it's Joey Bat. So I think he's going to go off this year, but Thessa is going to be right behind him. You know, Thessa is uh, he's a hard worker. He he went through so much to get to this country to play baseball. He's not one of those guys that's going to get that big fat contract and rest on his laurels. Like he's going to put in the work. He he wants to be the best outfielder in baseball. He wants people to say Bryce Harper, who but he's going to get a really awesome performance out of him too. Yeah, I mean, gosh. Those Bryce Harper numbers are just absolutely ridiculous, and I, I think it's I think it's pretty cool uh, that we're talking about two guys who were called up on the same exact day. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and now we're here. You know, four years later, both of them are MVPs of their respective leagues, and we get to split hairs all over again about who's better. Uh, you know, and we had those conversations when. It was talking about, oh, who would you draft first, uh, you know, as far as the rookies are concerned. So uh, I, I I don't disagree with you there. I think Bryce Harper definitely deserves some uh, number one consideration just due to the fact that, you know, 
he's probably going to hit fucking 50 home runs. And if he does, um, you know, obviously, hopefully the Washington Nationals get there. Uh, you know, obviously Dusty Baker's at the helm. Uh, hopefully he doesn't try and, you know, put a cap on Bryce Harper's game this year. <laughs> just lets his, uh, lets his freak flag fly uh, this year. So uh, when we're talking about biggest risk, uh, I, the outfield position, I mean, there's risk all over the place. I mean, whether or not a guy is going to actually hit 280, whether or not a guy is actually going to hit, you know, 50 home runs. I'm talking to you, Chris Davis, uh, you know, or Jay Bruce for that matter. Uh, but when you're talking about biggest risk, I think that, you know, considering ADP into the conversation, I think it has to be Jock Penderson for me of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, you know, obviously what Jock did uh, to start the year last year was incredible. You know, uh, got broke onto the scene, got himself to the all-star game. Uh, but then you saw that second half, and that second half was absolutely atrocious. And I think that the second half is something that people are not really taking into consideration when they're drafting Jock Henderson. Uh, obviously, there's also an injury issue that popped up uh, during spring training as well that's going to hurt his ADP uh, and it's going to hurt his value going into the year. I think that if you're drafting Jock and you're thinking that you're going to get the version of him to start the year uh, in 2015, I think you need to reconsider uh, what you're what you're looking at because uh, here's a guy that you know, yeah, while he exudes all this upside, uh, he also is a clear candidate for regression. And you saw the regression hit hard there in the second half last year. I'm not sure that, you know, he's going to be able to make the adjustments to get himself to a position where, you know, you're drafting him thinking that, you know, hey, he can put up, you know, a Gregory Polanco type numbers. Yeah, I think Jacques is a really good example of a guy that, like, I think everybody's just looking at the 39 home runs he hit in the home run derby and being like, yeah, I want to draft this guy. His ADP is way too high. Um, you know, if this was a guy I could get in the ninth, 10th, 11th round, I'd be all over it because he's one of the guys that can give you average power and steals. But no, like, sorry, third, fourth, fifth round, like, I just, I can't do it. Um, and another, like, so speaking of that, another guy that, this is a baseball player I love. And I think we'll absolutely be a top 10 outfielder in the season is over. But Mookie Betts' ADP is like, it was, as of last night, it was 21.2. I mean, this guy is approaching top 20 pick fairly quickly. Uh, and that's just way too pricey for what you're going to get out of it. You know, that's, that's picks reserved for the top echelon of players. And I just don't, you know, obviously neither of us even put him in our top six. So that's, that's not somebody you should be using a pick like that on. If his ADP falls a little bit, I love it. I'm all over Um. 80, or another guy that ADP is really, like, fueled by one specific thing is Adam Eaton, uh, center fielder from Chicago. Uh, he had a monster second half last year. Um, he went from one home run in 2014 to 14 home runs last year. Um, he, but he played in 30 more games and only stole three more bases, and his batting average went down. Um, he's injury-prone. I really think he topped out last year. His ADP is skyrocketing. I, I just, I'm steering clear of that. And then another one, uh, Hanley Ramirez. They move into the outfield. He he gets a lip just incrementally tiny little bit worse every season. Um, you really can't count on him for more than 120 games at this point. Um, declining power numbers, average is okay. The ADP is just too high because he's Hanley Ramirez. So that's another guy right now, just based on ADP, I'm staying away from. Yeah, and there's nothing uh, there's nothing wrong with that list of players. I uh, you know. Obviously, with Hanley, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, he's getting just a a little bit bad every single year. I mean, it's getting bad for Hanley. If, you know, we're talking about, you know, he used to have one of the sickest gloves at shortstop, and now he's relegated to playing first base for the Boston Red Sox just to get him onto the field. So, um, you know, that's pretty interesting in itself. Uh, who was the second guy that you named? I'm drawing a blank here for a second. Uh, Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton, yeah. Okay, Adam Eaton, I agree with you 100% there. I just – he's kind of in that Moogie Betts category for me too as well where you're you're drafting the guy you know, and not really more Moogie Betts because Moogie Betts provides a little bit more upside in the pop department. But I think that, you know, is, those two are more of the case of, you know, the, the shiny new toy. Uh, you know, the the hype is so – 
intense with those two players. Uh, it, more bets than Eaton, but Eaton's getting a lot of hype. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen it, you know, even with Buster Only, uh, you know, and, and those guys as well. But the the hype has gotten to the point where you're not getting you're not getting a good return on value. Uh, you know, obviously Mookie Betts just drool oozes upside. Uh, you know, you 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 can get a guy a 2020 guy. You know, uh, those are hard to find. You know, those aren't, aren't grown on trees. And definitely Mookie Betts is one of those guys. But we need to see it first, I think. I, I think we need to see it happen before we can buy into it. Uh, who's to say Mookie Betts has, you know, uh, struggles and doesn't, you know, get the playing time that, you know, you think he's going to get to start the year. Uh, so I think that, you know, what you're getting out of these two players, I, I agree with you 100%. I think they're one of the bigger risks going into fantasy baseball drafts. Uh, but it, it's also a good thing going into fantasy baseball drafts, folks, because there's someone out there that believes in the hype, and there's someone out there that's going to pay the price tag for one of these two players, whether it's Mookie Betts in the second or third round or Adam Eaton in the fifth or sixth. So uh, I think those are two players that – they're very, very risky, and just let someone else draft them at their given ADPs at the moment. Oh, and, you know, and then we what? We got potential breakouts. Uh, as far as potential breakouts, I got to go back down to Miami. Uh, got to go with uh, Christian Yelich uh, for the Miami Marlins. I mean, I think that anyone down there in Miami is due for a potential breakout. Uh, say what you will about Barry Bonds, uh, as far as he's a fucking cheater, because I agree with you. He's a fucking cheater. But at the same time, Barry Bonds was one of the best players in baseball. Cheating or not, uh, the batting eye that Barry Bonds possessed was one of the greatest batting eyes ever. I mean, yeah, he hulked himself up to the point where he could catch up to the ball a little bit faster than others, but he still had to hit the ball. You know, it's still a see-the-ball, hit-ball game. You know, whether or not he took steroids, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. But his knowledge of hitting – and his knowledge of the game are are far and away, uh, you know, leaps and bounds above anyone else. I mean, why do you think that Mark McGuire is sitting on, on benches now? Uh, kind of the same deal. Barry Bonds, to me, uh, is going to help this Miami Marlins offense more, if you can even believe that, more than any other bench coach in baseball. Uh, you know, you obviously are going to get an uptick in Stanton's numbers, but I think you get an uptick in all of their numbers across the board. Not necessarily, uh, you know, pop or, you know, not necessarily speed, but with Gellich, I think that, you know, you look at his numbers on the surface and you're like, okay, he batted 300 last year. He had, you know, 470-plus at-bats, uh, but he only hit seven home runs. And obviously I think that, you know, that's a number that's definitely going to go up going into this year. So you're looking at a guy that could probably bat 290, definitely get you double-digit home runs. And then you look at, you know, the steals category, and, I mean, he stole 16 bases. So obviously I think that goes up as well, uh, especially given where he bats in the order. Normally he bats second uh, on most days. So, you know, given where he bats in that Miami's order, uh, given their new acquired coach, uh, I think, you know, the Arrow is just pointing up on a guy like this for a potential breakout this year. Absolutely. I agree with you so much. Like, sure, Barry Bonds probably cheated. He took steroids. But all that did was help him hit that ball farther and stay healthier longer into old age. Uh, you still have to understand the game, the scouting aspect of it, knowing what a pitcher is going to throw and being able to put contact on that ball. Uh, he's going to impart so much knowledge on players. Like I, I agree, top to bottom, it's going to help that team. Um, for me, I, I have a few sleepers break out, whatever you want to call them. Um, Gerardo Parra signed with Colorado. He's going to be a starting outfielder. He's going to get, you know, 81 games at Coors Field. Um, 2020 sleeper for sure. This guy had a great season playing part-time in Milwaukee. Um, had great seasons before that with Arizona. So I think he's going to do really well. Uh, he's available in like 18th, 19th uh, round, even going undrafted sometimes. So I think that's a really good sleeper pick. Um, Domingo Santana, the – I don't know if he played enough time to be a rookie last year, if he's a rookie this year. Either way, the youngster in Milwaukee, he's going to be starting right fielder, huge power. This dude's like 6'5", I and mean, he's a beast out there. Um, big, big power, has some speed. 
Um, he's a bit raw, so a lot of swing and misses, but he's available super late. He's going to give you really good power numbers, stolen bases. Um, if you need some outfield bench help, he's, he's there. Uh, I really like uh, Avisel Garcia in Chicago. He's like the one outfielder in Chicago I like. Um, everyday playing time in a fair friendly park. He's probably going to get over 20 home runs. Um, he has been bringing down his ground ball rate every year of his career. It's been declining. Um, last year he got it down to a career low 49%, which still isn't great, but it, 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 it's getting better. That means he's getting more pop. He's getting under the ball more. And then I think the guy that's really going to break out for me is uh, Byron Buxton with Minnesota. I picked him as my breakout last year. Um, he struggled hitting only 209 in 138 plate appearances. Um, but he's topped out in the minors, man. He hit 283 at AA and 400 at AAA, and he's only 22. Um, I think if he can hit his stride this season, which he will now that he's had some time in the majors, you know, he's been at majors camp this whole year doing really well. Um, this is a guy that could be dark horse, like top 15 outfielder when all is said and done, and he's basically not being drafted at this point. Yeah, I like all of those selections. I really love Garcia in Chicago as well. Uh, as far as his pop is concerned and getting them where you're getting them in drafts, uh, just sleeper, breakout, whatever you want to call that guy, he's definitely it for the White Sox this year. All right, folks, that's it. This is another edition of the Rounding Third Podcast with Nick Siegel and Hude. Make sure you go check out so-called fantasy experts on Twitter, on iTunes, the network, on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, go over to fantasysixpack.net. Also check out ontheplay.com. Folks, it's your boy, Ad Hude, spelled with a U, not an O, and my co-host in the house at Nick Siegel. Go check us out on Twitter. Until next time, folks, peace. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out socalledfantasyexperts.com for rankings, strategies, tips, DFS content, other podcasts, and more.